appreciate the, those selections. Last week, we spent some time with Samson and Delilah. That's what we were doing last week. <clears throat> From Judges, helps put this in here. Our text was Judges 16, verses 16 to 17. And some of our takeaways was this. This is one takeaway. There's more power in words than in armies, or in this case, than one man army such as Samson. And the power was in Delilah. She was an ungodly woman. She was not part of Israel. She was a Philistine, and her motive in that context was silver and lots of it. She was a covetous woman, but she was powerful in her words. She extracted the secret to Samson's Strength, correct? And uh, we had some other takeaways there. Uh, the aim last week was to encourage women to be women that change the world through service, steadfastness, and unashamed love of hearth and home. And we connected that with Barak and Deborah in Judges 4, 8 through 9 where, again, we have a strong woman and a man, Barak, who did not step up, but he did when she went with him. And our takeaways here, and like I said last week, I'm more of a, an outline speaker, but I was quoting directly from two Bible bites of Scott Beyer, who is a, an evangelist in Monroe. It just worked out better to do it that way. So I'll summarize what we talked about last week by quoting from him again. The picture of male, and this is, this is one of the quotes from him also, we don't need more men that call themselves leaders but won't lead. That's one lesson we can learn from Barack. But God's picture of male leadership is selfless and honorable. It is willing to die for others, lead through example, pick up the cares of others, and deprive itself of comforts. God's men don't sit on the couch in their pajamas eating Cheetos and playing Call of Duty. They are called to duty. Now, the funny thing about that is last week on Sunday evening at, our, at the Bible class at our place, Nathan came up to me and said, uh, you know, there's something funny about that because last night, he was referring to Saturday of last week. He said, last night, Lane and Austin and I we're sitting on a couch, playing video games, and I literally had a bag of Cheetos, he said. <laughs> they were quick, those young men were quick to point out that they were not in their pajamas and they were not playing Call of Duty. But they did have the Cheetos in the sofa. Kind of like these, these are even younger men there. But church, these men like Austin, Lane, Nathan, Think about it. They may be our future leaders in this church or some other church. But don't be too hard on them. Unless they're doing that kind of thing three or four or five times a night, then somebody needs to step up and have a gentle, loving conversation with them, don't they? But I don't, I don't think those guys have a lifestyle that way. They just enjoy Cheetos and games occasionally, I hope. 
It's occasionally. Well, we're going to continue our theme of leadership and what I call followship today by gleaning from a song of praise. And this is right after Judges 4, which is the account of Deborah and Barak. Or Barak. And uh, we'll uh, get your Bibles open, please. Judges 5, 2. Judges 5, 2, we'll begin in 1. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day. So here's their song. New American is kind of strange the way that starts out. That the leaders led in Israel, that the people volunteered, bless the Lord. You know, in the New American, the footnote says for the word, the leaders led, the phrase there, footnote, your, yours might say, locks hung loose. Now, isn't that strange? <laughs> Literally, in, in the Hebrew, the idea is to let go or to let loose. And if you think about the priests, for example, they often, and they were commanded to, bind up their hair in a, what we call a turban. So here the idea is to unbind and let loose that turban and remove the restraint on the hair. So in this case, the idea is leadership, removing the restraint from the people and actually leading them. And, here's, and so that's why you're translated, the leaders led in Israel. Now this song was sung after God delivered Israel from Sisera and his army and King Jabin. That's recorded in chapter 4. The NIV words Judges 5-3 this way. It puts it this way. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, instead of the word volunteer, it's willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. God had, protected, had promised to protect Israel in battle, here's, here's uh, the NIV. When the leaders led, that the peoples volunteered. That's actually the NASB. Here's the NIV. The princes in Israel take the lead the, when the people willingly offer themselves. Judges 5, 9, we'll look at in just a minute. Look at uh, Judges 4, verse 6 and 7. Deborah is talking to Barak. <clears throat> Let's begin with seven, because she's quoting Jehovah. I will draw out to you Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his many troops to the river Kishon, and I will give him into your hand. So here God had promised to protect Israel in battle. Yahweh, Jehovah God, is going to take the lead first, and he's pr promising to provide the power. But what does Deborah say to Barak and, and the Israelites? Are they just to sit around and say, Yay, go, Yahweh? No. Look in verse 6. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, and said to him, Behold, the Lord God of Israel has commanded, Go and march to Mount Tabor. I'm in Judges 4, 6. And take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali and from the sons of Zebulun. You see here, folks, they were to do their part. Jehovah was going to do his part. This sounds very familiar, doesn't it? 
I had a whole lesson series on Joshua, and then we studied Joshua on Sunday morning. And when you read the first couple of chapters in Joshua, what is it that Moses and the Lord God had been encouraging Joshua to do over and over? Do not fear. Be courageous. Go in and take the land I have given to you. Jehovah was speaking in terms that the land was already theirs. You know why? Because he promised to give it to him, and he was going to keep his promises because he was going to keep his, his way of doing things, and that is using his power to help them take the land. They were to do their part. Jehovah was going to do his part. So when Joshua and the people get over there on, if you're looking at a map up here, to you it would be here's the east side, here's the Jordan River, and here's the land of Canaan. Were, were Joshua and the people to sit over here and set up their hammocks and their bags of Cheetos and watch Jehovah over there on the other side of the river as he wiped out the Canaanites? No. What, what were they to do? Trust in Jehovah as he pushed back the waters of the Jordan. They walked across on dry land, and then they went and faced those strongholds and those giants. And the lesson there is for us in the Bible class and especially in those sermon series was people, God's, you're God's people. Wake up and live the victorious Christian life. Don't be like that previous generation who was wandering around in the wilderness with an immature, defeated attitude. And sadly, a lot of God's people live that way as if everything depends on them and the power of God is put in a box. Speaking of power of God, Nathan. <laughs> so let's... Um, and if some of you thought that I was preaching the Joel Osteen prosperity gospel then, uh, you misunderstood. That's, that's not what we're getting at. But what a blessing it is, folks, when leaders lead and people follow. What a blessing it is. Here's, here's Judges 5.9. Back in our text today. This is, this is right in the middle of the song. The New American words it this way. My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel, the volunteers among the people. <clears throat> what a wonderful thing it is. And it's repeated. My heart goes, uh, I believe the NIV says commanders. My heart goes out with commanders of Israel and the willing volunteers among the people. What a beautiful sight to see. Because it sounds like some people were sitting on their seat cushions. You look down at verse 15 to 17. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah, as was Issachar, so was Barak. In the valley they rushed at his heels among the divisions of Reuben, and there were great resolves of heart. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds? To hear the piping for the flocks, among the divisions of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Gilead remained across the Jordan. And Dan, why did you stay in ships? That Dan was one of the tribes. Asher sat on the seashore and remained by its landing. However, Zebulun was a people who despised their lives, even to death, and Naphtali also. And that's who Barak led, didn't he? He led Zebulun and Naphtali, they risked their very lives. The end result is in verse 31, chapter 5. Thus let your enemies perish, O Lord, 
but let those who love him be like the rising of the sun in its might. And the land was undisturbed for 40 years. What a wonderful, wonderful way that that happened. That's, that's because leaders led and followers got up and were willing to offer themselves and they trusted in the Lord. What good is it? What good is a follower of Christ if we seek the blessings but don't step up to serve? That's a question for us this morning. What good is it? I want you to think about that a little bit. I'm operating on the premise that there are many congregations in the United States that are full of people waiting for others to lead the charge and to do the work. We don't like to picture ourselves that way, do we? <laughs> Actually, that represents an attitude. I, I know there are people that do that, but it's representing an attitude. So folks, let's stop being, let's stop being an Eeyore. You know, I, I've heard a lot of workers in, a lot of doers in local congregations, they, they complain that there's only a handful of people doing the lion's share of the work. And a lot of you older folks would nod your head and say, yeah, we've seen that for years and years. There's always going to be just a small handful being doers and the rest are not helping. And you older folks, you're probably right. But you know what? That is not a blessing. That's a curse. Can we make it two handfuls? We need to stop being Eeyore, have the attitude some of the attitudes of Tigger, he drives me nuts because of his personality, but he is energetic and enthusiastic. Combine that with some of the attitudes of Rabbit, who is practical and willing to do things, and then what do you end up with? Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> Those characters are from Winnie the Pooh, and that, actually they're great examples for us. Put a little bit of that together and be some doers. I want to... Uh, I've never heard Judges chapter 5 combined with Hebrews 13. Never heard a teacher, preacher, anybody combine Hebrews 13 with Judges 5. And maybe there's a reason for that. <laughs> because it just popped into my head. I'm thinking, wow, maybe we can do something with Hebrews 13. And I believe I have that bookmarked. And we'll just go through it quickly. And I want you to consider leadership and volunteering. What, ask yourself, here in chapter 13, what is it that promotes leadership and volunteering? What is it that helps leadership and volunteering? And what is it that hinders leadership and willingly offering ourselves? Who's my first reader? Okay, Nathan, could you stand up and belt that out? Verses 1 through, I gave you 1 through 4, correct? Okay. Thank you. 
Okay. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And remember those in prison. Now, we're, we're not in that context where, that I know of where Christians are in prison and we have an opportunity to help them. There are unbelievers in prison and there's maybe some service there we could do, branch into and think about. Uh, but the idea here is think about uh, that phrase, keep on loving one another and brothers and sisters and do not forget to show hospitality. Does th would this practice promote leadership and volunteering here in a local congregation? Would that help be a help to leaders and those who volunteer to do those things? How about verse 4? If most of the marriages in a local congregation were strong in a local church, does that make the church stronger? And I'm not leaving out those who are single. They have their part to play and they're very important. Just thinking about strong marriages, strong families. Does that make a church stronger? I, got, I saw a note on my sister posted yesterday on Facebook. She said, we had the privilege of celebrating the 70th wedding anniversary, that's 7-0, last night of a dear, sweet couple. And she's got a picture of them right here. I don't know who they are. I'm assuming maybe in her community or, or the church she meets with. What an amazing testimony of being faithful and committed to God and each other. In talking with them, I thank the groom, quote unquote, for their wonderful example. He told me he wasn't sure that they were always a good example, and I told him that they were still married, and that's something right there. He agreed and said divorce was never an option. No matter what hurdles or trials they went through, and there were plenty, they had vowed to go through them together. And the bride told me how marvelous celebrating 20 or 70 years was and how amazed she was. She never thought she'd live that long. And she said, kindness and thinking of each other's feelings are very important. <clears throat> That's just an example. And uh, boy, it'd be wonderful to see the number of marriages last up to into the 70s and have that increase instead of what we're seeing today in our culture. The next set of verses, five through six. Who's my reader there? Is that you, uh, Taylor? Go ahead. Make sure your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by food, through which those who are occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest is an offering for sin, a burnt outside the camp. Therefore, also Jesus, that he might sanctify the people in his own blood, has suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Okay, verses 5 to 6, thank you. When, when we possess what our God has given to us, and this is uh, relating to a Bible by that we 
that we uh, worked on a few weeks ago with Jephthah. He asked the Ammonites, why don't you possess what your God has given you? And so we were, we were considering what our gods were in that talk. When we possess what our God is giving us, instead of the money God and what the money God has given to us, will we be safe? Will we be secure? This is the idea of trust, people. That's the confidence in the Lord. So we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. How about verses 7 through 12? Would this be a help or a hindrance to a local congregation if a local church possessed these attitudes, the attitudes that Christ had? How about 15 through 20? Stephen? Now notice this, what he's going to read is coming up here. We've been focusing on leaders and followers. Now the writer here is going to specifically talk about leaders. Go ahead. Okay. Obviously, Doing this and having confidence in your leaders and submitting to their authority is going to be a help, not an impediment. He says that right there. It won't be a burden if you do these things. Continue. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to your saints. Now may, the, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of his eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd, Amen. Can you say amen? You can say amen when it's, when it's scripture. <laughs> He's reading directly from scripture. What a prayer. That the great shepherd of the sheep equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever. Isn't that what we're all about? Doing right there. Do what is pleasing to him. But we need leaders, and we need followers, and we need those willingly to offer themselves. And as the the text says volunteers in the New American back there in Judges. We need leaders. We need volunteers. Where are they? Bless the Lord when his people glorify him through their voluntary service. Amen. Do you agree with that? Now that leader up here in red, that could represent a, a dad and a physical family, husband and a marriage relationship, elders and a local church. Jesus Christ. Of course, if that's representing uh, parents, that's a big family, isn't it? <laughs> Behind them there. But praise God. But his people glorify him through their voluntary. Here's another quote off the internet. Great leaders start off, start off as great followers. Is there any truth to that? Is there any truth to this? Leaders don't force people to follow. They invite them on a journey. Yeah? Do you agree with that one? That's Charles S. Lauer. How about this one from Rosalind Carter, evidently? A leader takes people where they want to go. A great leader takes people where they don't want to go, but ought to be. <laughs> now, would you agree with that? And really, in 
the local church, that's the shepherd's responsibility. We know what the ought to be is. That's right here, right? Not what the shepherds think. Not what you think. But we know what ought to be, and the leaders need to take them there. Where they don't want to go, but ought to be. And that's where sometimes, you know, the heels dig in, and there's a lot of resistance, but then if that happens, then we need to read Hebrews 13 again, don't we? <clears throat> then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who shall go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. You know where that's from? Isaiah 6, 8. Folks, you know what the best way is to clear a building? Like this? You know what the best way? Ask for volunteers. That's human nature, isn't it? That's sad, but that's often what happens. You know, the volunteers that want to run and hide, maybe you should read Jeremiah 23, 24, and I am lifting this totally out of context. The context is not what we're talking about this morning, but it's an interesting question. Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? So, when we want to run and hide from offering ourselves up, He's still going to see us. Right? So I know this is a, this is a little bit of a hard-hitting talk, but it's designed to be an exhortation, and I hope it's beneficial exhortation. I hope it's up, uplifting, especially in the context here, that Old Testament context, Deborah and Barak. And may, I want to see us praise and bless the Lord because we are doing our best to be leaders, and to be volunteers. And to serve in his kingdom. Now if you're in our presence this morning. And Jesus is not your Lord and Savior. I'll share with you that our class this morning mentioned a fellow by the name of Danny Paul Bible. He was executed in Texas. A murderer of at least four people and other heinous crimes. And Texas finally executed him. And we were in the context where Jesus was talking about some tragedies, but he turned to his audience and said, unless you repent, 